You ever caught a fish? <laughs> I mean, I hope so. You've been listening to this podcast for 30-something weeks. I'm hoping you caught one. Well, after you catch your fish, uh, how do you clean it? What knife are you using? What gear are you using? What pliers are you using? What will, I guess this week we'll just have to talk to a company that does that. Talking with three superstar anglers that are involved with a company I'm sure you've heard me mention before. So that's right, ladies and gentlemen. We're talking to Sword, Sword Fishing Products. We're going to be talking with Stephen, Joe, and Connor today. Lots of good information coming, so hope you're ready. Get your notebooks out. We're getting after it. This is Finding Demo Surf Fishing. Here we go. New week, new episode. Hope you're doing well wherever you are. Actually, in reality, I hope you're on the beach. Hope you're out there fishing. But wherever you are, whatever you're doing, this next episode is definitely going to keep you going. Hopefully happy, putting you in a better place wherever you may be. So like I said, we're start, we are talking this week with Sword Fishing Products. If you haven't taken a look at them before, uh, where the map turns blue, I believe, is the slogan, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, if you haven't seen it, you're missing out. So you need to go on to the website, take a look at all the gear they have because they have more than just blades. Speaking of the blades, though, I will say it is by far, hands down, and I can say this with confidence, it is the best knife I've used, and I have abused it a few times, and <laughs> I've been chastised for it, and I've been talked to by it by several people, to include uh, yeah, Joe and Connor, actually. <laughs> the ones St Steven didn't get to see it. I didn't tell him, but he's going to find out today, so. It's okay. All right, so without further ado, and my uh, jaw jack in here, welcome to the show, S.W.O.R.D. team, guys. Thanks for coming on. Thanks, Thanks for having us. Wow, that loudio went big. My bad. <laughs> right, no, it's good. So I know we're doing this one a little different. Uh, normally we're doing phone. This one's through the computer, so this will be a first, and we're going to make it work out just fine. So... We have, like I was saying, we have th all three of the team here. Well, there's more to the team, but here's the, the big three that I see all the time. So we got Steven, who is the brain that created this, the CEO. If I was that correct, what, what title are we using for you nowadays on this? Uh, we just call me uh, maybe the chief master <laughs> baiter or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds proper. I like it. It's, that is an appropriate... Is that on the business card? Because if it is, that that would just complete the trifecta for me. Uh, well, it's just, it's just, you can call me El Presidente. I like it. I, that Fair. Fair and all around. All right. And then we've got Joe. Hello, Joe. What's up? What's up? How y'all doing? And Joe, what do you do with the, the company? I got, so I I'm in wanna, charge of the... Go ahead. I don't want to put a label on you because I know your card says one thing, but I know you do more. So what do you got? So I'm in charge of the wholesale side of things. And uh, so any shops out there, we, we love getting in local shops. And as long as we can get the blades in there, we tend to get good feedback from all of our shops. So we want to keep on grinding on that and keep on expanding through that way for sure. Yeah, man. Good stuff right there. And then, Mr. Connor, good afternoon to you as well. What do you do with the company? I work on the event side of things, so just finding local events or just events all along the coast that we go and display all of our products at. That's uh, really where we get our name out. So 
handling that and then speaking with a lot of like the affiliates we've got a lot of affiliates around here that uh support our products on their youtube channels and such so that's also been really great for us you're a busy man then you travel a bit we all travel a bit yeah, actually yeah that's you where do. i'm at right yeah I, it's never a single I, it's normally always the only time i've seen a single was the last tournament and that was a a little like hey where, where'd you where's where's the rest of the guys but every you guys had a bunch of events going on at that time so normally i do see all three of you or two or three of you together at the time so that that was a little surprise but it was still good because I, I love hanging out with you connor so it, it it's all good is that oh, showdown is that when we were set up over in yeah yeah, we had enough, that was the first time ever we had two booths going at once. We were we had one over at, in Mobile and then another one over here in 38. So yeah, that was a great weekend. Yeah, you guys you guys have been growing so well. It's been a lot of fun to see um, on the social media platform. I know that I was not. Um, <clears throat> I'm damn. I'm gonna have to edit that because my voice. Ugh. I know I wasn't one of the very first. Uh, the first time I heard about Sword and where I met you, Stephen, uh, was at Blaine's uh, 30A, or Real 30A, one of his events, and that's where we finally I got to meet you face-to-face. And I know I reached out to you prior to to write the article uh, for me to do my review on it, on the Blade, and you gave me a ton of great feedback and gave me a lot of information that helped me make the article very, very thorough, which I was shocked at. I didn't expect to get that kind of reception, and I was very, and still to this day, I'm extremely thankful. But the first time that I'd used or saw the blades uh, was at a tournament. It was uh, Bay Breeze's tournament, I believe. I think that they had just started carrying them then. And then since then, it's been funny walking into other shops and other people, and I'm like, "Hey, I know that blade. Hey, I know that blade. Where, where, where are you guys getting all your blades from?" And it was, you know, "Oh yeah, we we'll get them from the website, or I got it at this tackle shop." It has been super great to see how much you all have grown and into shops now that people can get their hands on these blades at a moment's notice that's so cool thank you guys for doing that so let's that's all here so joe joe take care of them and um he makes sure he knows how to handle each shop and he'll, he'll go in and, and, and talk with the owners and get to know them and we're really out here to build a relationship with each of them if we're not we're not trying to walk into a shop and sell them on something that won't sell or sell them on something that is just another you know, $30 knife that someone's going to throw away. And uh, we really want to build a uh, relationship in this local community. And that starts with the tackle shop. Cause that's where, that's where the fishing community starts. It's when you go in and you're shopping at a half pitch or an MO coast outfitters or um, MO Coast State and Tackle over in Port Walton. So those are the places where we just love to uh, shop in and, and know them personally. Yeah, you guys definitely have the, the relationships. I, I've seen that, especially with Emerald Coast. Um, Josh and Anna have numerous times have mentioned how great, you know, having a partnership with you guys is. And I've they've always had great things to say. And it's been fun seeing uh, other shops starting to grow and, and get them. So, again, I'm, I'm psyched. Okay, so... My brain tells me this, and you guys can correct me. All three of you are more boat guys than you are surf guys. Hey, 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 come on. Come on now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we, uh, when I started surf fishing, it was actually, I went to college at Coastal Carolina University, and it's about 10 miles from Myrtle Beach. 
And one thing we did, we had this fishing club there that was more better referenced as a redneck fraternity than it was um, of people who like to fish. So you think about a bunch of jacked up trucks going down to the beach every single Friday to fish off the beach for whatever would bite our hook. And so I got my little first taste of saltwater fishing from in college where I, I the, the bass, bass fishing with my crack and then surf fishing with my heroin. So I, uh, I, got, I got into there and then it's the rest is history. And ever since we moved down to the Panhandle, it's been, uh, it's been all offshore. But I will say this year, we more transitioned back into, hey, I want to make this a little more simple, something fun, sit on the beach, throw your rods out, and uh, you know, find, find a little, little rip, crack a cold one. It's a whole lot different than spending six bucks a gallon blasting 60 miles offshore. Yeah, especially now, that's for sure. Uh, sorry, I, I had to die, I had to make that joke because you still have done something I have not done, and that's my own fault because I haven't got with Blaine. You still did the ladder fishing, and I knew that you were the salt. I knew that you did a lot of the surf, but when you did the ladder fishing, and I read your articles, like, dang, that sounds so funny. Beat me to it. I gotta go now. I have to go. So uh, I, I had a. I had to throw the jab in there for the boats because it's been a lot of the posts lately. I'm like, he does more than boats, I promise you, everyone. He's not just a boat guy. So I try I try and get my hands in a little bit of everything. And um, I say each year we create a focus of uh, what are we trying to target this year. And my my specific targets this year are going to be token fishing. And then there's a lot of the articles coming out are like small boat wahoo fishing. And that's fishing on boats with single screw engines or single outboard and trying to stay within you know, 23 miles or so. But I will say, like, we sort itself has built a really good relationship with the fishing or the surf fishing community. And uh, it's prompted me to, we, we went out and caught a couple of doubles of Pompano the other day. That's right. That's right. And I guess it peaks and wanes. You got, you got to put some focuses on, and that, that's the fish you target that year. Oh, I get it, man. I mean, right now is a perfect example of, you know, having to make adjustments. I mean, it's June while we're recording this, um, and the June grass is here. The worst thing in the world when you're a surf angler. It's like the instant bane of your existence. So you have to change your game. What are you going to do? You're going to sit at home? No. 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 That's going to be bad for your soul. So you're going to get in a boat, a kayak. You're maybe going to go inshore. This is the time to change it up. So, yeah, I don't think any of us are, I mean, our fishery is so good. There's no way I think any of us would ever be a one-trick pony. I don't, I just, I don't see it. It's all fun, whether you're in the bay, offshore, or on the beach. So, it's, you know, we'll yeah. find one somewhere to go. That's for sure. All right. So here we go for all three of you. What got you into fishing? And where did you start? Joe, you're up. All right. Um, so what got me into fishing, I actually grew up in Atlanta, Atlanta, Georgia, and I had a little pond by our by our house and had a little ten foot John boat with Men Coda on it. And around Christmas time, well after Christmas, everybody would stick their their trees out on the out in the driveway, get the trash band to come get them. But uh, me and my buddies, we'd go pick up all the Christmas trees, and we'd go drop them in the lake and make little wrecks in the lake. And then we'd run a three, four-line spread bass, trolling for bass, and it, it 
got really got me into it. Like I, I've always my main thing is offshore fishing, and I've always just dreamed about doing it, and I love doing it, and I, I've always had that passion for it. But any anywhere I could get tied, I love to do it. Dude, that's like fishing IQ of three thousand right there. Dude, let's make let's make artificial stuff for them to be at, and let's market so we know where it is. Yeah, we we were triangulating. We didn't we didn't quite have the money to have a machine on the boat, so we were like, all right, that house right there, off of that fallen tree, and find it out there somewhere, and you'll know it when both rods go off. <laughs> Bro, it's still smart. I mean, it's it's genius. Okay, so we started it, with that, and that. Go ahead. I said it was a great time. It, it it definitely definitely pushed me further and further into the into the rabbit hole to say. <laughs> I can only imagine. Just thinking about it, I'm like, damn it, that's smart. <laughs> I mean, we can't do it now, yeah. but back then, that's brilliant. It's absolute genius. I love it. Okay, so what do we got? Who's going next? Even here, we. Uh... I have a similar story to Joe's, but I grew up in the bayous of Houston, Texas. And uh, if anybody's been to Houston, you've driven along and you've seen this um, just basically glorified drainage ditch of, uh, where there's certain parts of the drainage ditch where water likes to pull up after rain. And right behind my house, there's this giant bayou but only about like a 200 yard stretch where you could actually go fishing and help fish. But any given day, you know, before the cell phones were around, before any kind of like communication for kids, we'd be getting off the bus. We're sitting on the bus with all my buddies and we say, all right, hey, we're going to meet at the spot. Look at our, look at our little like uh, funny watches or whatever we had and said, hey, in 30 minutes, we'll be there. And like I kid you not, like we all jump on our bike, tackle shot or tackle box on one handlebar, the rod is on the other. You didn't have a backpack or anything at this point, and just riding out there. And all of our friends ended up to meeting at the same spot, at the same time. And this thing was loaded with bass, catfish, crappie. Uh, we even had both in in it. Um, and like this place was just, you could throw a little live eye sunfish and rip it as fast as you want through this little drainage ditch and you'd catch something. Uh, but we also, I mean, got a lot of water moccasins too. So that, that's kind of where I cut my teeth on fishing and we got to go to uh, the saltwater once a year. And I, I remember one year Blitz was coming through in Orange, Orange Beach, Alabama. It was just a bunch of ladyfish and bluefish coming through and we would like my dad hooked one and it was a travel hook and like just a movie i think it was a uh, mirror lure and he's reeling it in with the rest of the blitz coming through and he forgot where the fish was and it swam between his legs and the, the external treble that wasn't hooked up went through his kneecap and i was like man surf fishing is fun <laughs> <laughs> and my dad just jumping off of his leg, and uh, that's kind of where I got my start with saltwater. Was co- coming around to Orange Beach for uh, family vacation. Oh wow! Yeah, that's a way to get into surf fishing. Okay. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. All right, Connor. Can you treble hooks? What's up? I don't have a similar story like that, but 
I, uh, I also grew up fishing freshwater. We had a little pond in the subdivision that we, we lived there for like 10 years. And if it wasn't in school, you'd find me like just running around that little pond, like catching frogs, chucking them out, just trying to catch a little bass. I would do some, I'm not a skilled fly fisherman, but I kind of learned how to fly fish in that pond. And every summer we would take a trip to the Isle of Palms in South Carolina. And that's where I uh, really fell in love with fishing. I mean, I always loved bass fishing, uh, fishing for pike, walleye, all that. Love it. Um, but we started going to the Isle of Palms. And then when I caught like my first redfish from the surf and like caught my first like real saltwater fish, I was just absolutely hooked on it. And you get, you start thinking like, okay, like what's next? What's the next biggest thing I could catch? And then I went through like a crazy shark fishing surf phase where all I wanted to do was catch sharks from the beach. And uh, eventually moved down here and started learning a little bit more about the, the offshore and fishing in the bay and stuff. But I, I still love hitting the, uh, hitting the surf every once in a while and catching some pumps. Steven and I did a little Ikejime the other day and that was uh interesting very interesting where'd you get your kit the ikg med federation nice dude oh way to go guys all right i just i've i've been hearing new ones come up i heard uh ekg med federation still has theirs and i heard that uh i believe it's afco is uh is finally making one they've made a kit for everybody to get on their hands on too yep yeah and we we uh we were influenced by you to to buy that. So if if we can say anything about the FEMO podcast is that he influences for IKG my Federation and <laughs> he needs more product. I mean I might need some more. I'm I mean I'm not saying anything as I'm looking here at two, but yeah. <laughs> I would love to get my hands on more. Did you get the how moving gears, I guess we'll talk a little on the boat with this. Uh, have you taken it out on the boats to do it yet? Not yet. So we are, um, we tried one time, but it was just a bad day of fishing. Um, and we were, I'm really curious to start trying it on. It's some Pelagian. So we got the biggest one that they make. And we want to run that through some black pin tuna, some mahi. We want to run it through a few, uh, maybe a wahoo. If we can get a nice wahoo and run it through there, like, I'm really excited to uh, start taking care of my cats a little better and knowing that like just throwing them on a bunch of hard ice isn't really helping anything at all. And I'll eat fresh, fresh for the first couple of days, but it definitely makes a difference once you've uh, taken care of your cats, you've bled it, you've spiked it, and you've run the, the wire through uh, this spinal cord. So I've I'm excited to test it out, see what the meat looks like, and uh, see that uh, they call it umami. Is that how you say it? Yeah, umami, <laughs> you know, the, the flavor, the flavor. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Allison uh, from Real Love, she's really explained it to me a few times, and I just, I, I haven't had, I don't have the best palate. We'll go with that. But I have noticed there is a, a bit of a different taste uh, by doing EKG May versus not, which has been really cool. And it, it's kind of, it, that's really cool to hear you guys are doing that. Like, like I even feel a little special right now. I don't know why, but I do. I'm like, I have nothing to do with it, but I feel special. So thank you. I think it's great, man. 
it, it is great to see people taking care of the fish. I mean, means a lot. Means a lot for sure. Yep, that's all we can do with right. Once you go and do it, it's like I gotta try it too. I mean, it's like it's an interesting thing. So I mean, well, you guys are catching a. You guys catch a ton of species. Uh, I, I mean, I've seen a lot of your catches that you throw on the social media. You're catching the big pelagics. You're, you're catching the real. There is, I guess I, I call them prize fish essentially because you, you, I know you guys have a different term, but for me, you know, you're catching these beautiful fish that are really tasty. We know they're good, um, but to see how like you fillet them with the sword knives at the table, you know, you've shown. Everybody, like, hey, look, the serrated blade, and we will get into this here soon. You know, the serrated blade, it doesn't tear the flesh. You know, it's that misconception. But, you know, you guys have shown step all the steps with the blades that you're taking care of your catch. You know, you're getting every last bit of that meat off that bone. You're, you're not wasting any fish. And with EKG May thrown in there, too, and that's just an added piece right there of, yeah, hey, I'm trying to preserve my catch for the best quality meat for myself, my team, my family without, you know, making this fish suffer and cause, you know, whatever, however you want to go with it through that, the uncomfortable death, you know, and let the chemicals all get into the muscle to fiber tissue. But if we're going to keep it, it's better to kill it right away and get it over with. It's like, hey, look, good fight. I win. I'm going to eat you, but I want it to be the best tasting eat I do. So there. So the uh, Connor and I were out on the beach, and this is the very first time we were, were trying the IKG net. And uh, there were some passerbys walking by, watching us stick this rod up the fish. And all, I'm like looking down at the fish, getting this thing done. And Connor is, is I hear these words out of his mouth. This is your humane way to do it. <laughs> I thought, like, why is he like, what is he saying that? And I look up and there's this lady staring at us yeah. and just wondering why are we abusing this fish? Yeah. And it's like, it, but it also sparked a conversation to, uh, to say, hey, you know, these are, this is better, even though it doesn't look better. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely looks interesting. Yeah, shoving a wire right Not into the tail end. No, no. A wire right into the tail end of a fish as it's flopping around is definitely not a good look. But really, we mean well. Don't worry. There's a big hole in its head from where I spiked its brain. It's fine. It's fine. Don't worry about that. Just trying to reiterate to it. For sure. Well, um, all right. Let's nail a couple of surf fishing ones, and then we're going to dig heavy into the knives. Um, but before we do that... Bait check. Bait check. That's right, folks. It is minute 20. Well, I'm a little early. 23 minutes for your bait check. So it is time to reel that line in. Get that bait checked. Make sure it's good to go. Top it off if you need to top it off. Get it all back out there and continue fishing. So as I said before the bait check, um, we were going to let's dig into the fishing stuff and then we're going to dig heavy into the blades because that's why. That's the good stuff right there. So uh, when it comes to surf fishing, uh, you three all have done it as you have a plan in store. Let's talk about when you get to the beach. So you get to the beach and you've got everything ready to go. What are you looking for to set your lines in the water to fish? Well, I usually fish over in like Santa Rosa beach. And, uh, typically I just try to find a, a dark hole and then I just set up camp there and stagger the line 
fans want in closer and, you know, want I try to hit in that hole. And normally the Pompanos seem to just be swimming in a circle in there and it's not too hard to get your limit. But some days with this uh, June grass that's in here, it's been pretty tough. Kind of a pain in the butt working around that, that's for sure. Yeah. The year of the gasm. <laughs> the right. year of the gasm, that's what we're calling it. 2022, the year of the gasm. That's an, that's an interesting go. Okay. <laughs> hot take, hot take. Yeah, that's all. Hey, it's it's staying. You're, you're done. It's staying, man. It's recorded. Thing's still running, man. Okay. I love it. I know it. And, right. uh, I when I get out to the beach, there's, there's kind of a difference fishing out by the 30A area, the San Rosa Beach area that um, Connor's talking about, but the water is crystal clear. And I would say it is fair, uh, far more clear than you would typically get if you get closer to, to Orange Beach. Um, but the way our sandbars work here is there's a, there's a very deep trough um, on the first sandbar. So it could be like five or six feet deep, and then it comes straight back up to two or three feet and then it drops back off before it gets to the second sandbar. And I'll say I've had, I've had a really great day out there when I actually fish within 20 feet of the sand. And I just literally tossed my base into um, the little trough. And we, I think we caught five or six reds that day. Um, and the trick was we used um, Boston mackerel for bait. Because oh, wow. Here offshore. So we're offshore fishermen, and when we go offshore, we'll use these Boston mackerel as chunk baits for tuna. And we're cutting up little chunks, and we're kind of drifting them out, and tuners are coming up in there flick and eat them. But what we did that day was a buddy of mine brought out uh, live shrimp. He, he, we caught the same fleas. And we also had the, the fish bite. And so he had all of his rods lined up at the, at the first trial. I mean, within 20 feet of the beach. And then I showed up with a cooler full of uh, Boston mackerel. And I'm like, hey, like, we might as well put this piece of cut bait on, right? So we put a little, and it's it oily. I mean, it's disgustingly oil, oily. <laughs> and so we got tossed that out. And all of a sudden, like, you know, within the first five minutes, you get a redfish on. And then my buddy's kind of looking at me like, why is nothing eating my live shrimp? And I'm like, I don't know. And so then I put you another know, bait on, catch it back out, and right into that same trough. So I'm looking for that deep hole. Obviously, we're all looking for the rip that goes out. Uh, but there's certain times of the year that like they're just running that channel before the rip goes out. And I have my buddy cast over the bar, cast into the rip, and they're just sitting right there. So I try to look for some place where it, kind of ripping out of a deep hole and then going to the rip versus like just going straight to the rip and avoiding the rest of the beach. So that, that's what I'll look for first when I get out on the beach. Dude. <laughs> I mean, okay. I'm not going to edit this out. I'm not. I refuse to. You are the first person to talk more about past the cut and past the rip. Someone's gonna get mad, but I don't. It, it it's that is knowledge that people. Oh man, I was wondering if anyone was ever gonna talk about it, because 
the, the common educational podcast. You know. Yeah, I mean that, that's the whole reason behind this whole podcast. Normally, answer is holes, cuts, and rips. <laughs> Nobody talks about the racetrack that comes with it that you have. Mm-hmm. If you can get on the trace, if you can get into the runway or the highway, I like to call it that cut, and you target it like that. There's only one way for them to go. They can go over it. They're not gonna. They're gonna follow that contour. Well done to put that in the show, man. Well done. You 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 open a new can for people. Everybody's gonna be fishing that first trot, and they're gonna be like, "Why am I catching so many more fish?" Uh huh. Well, that hey, you got that in the Boston mackerel because not a lot of people are coming. I'll catch cut mullet. Uh, the majority of the ones that I see, they're used cut. Cut mullet, shrimp. Only a few people use crab knuckles, um, or half a crab. That that's the normal bait I've seen. But mackerel, no, not yet. Now I haven't heard anybody using that one. Only on the boats. So nice job, nice ad. Yeah, the co-op will be sold out of Boston mackerel. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying I'm gonna call half hitch and you know, like, hey, you know, you got uh, that bait. I want it. I need just a little. I'll take one case. Yes, I know how much it is. That's fine. Just we're not going to talk about it. <laughs> All right. So we've got that one. Uh, Joe, you want to throw in anything on this one? I think Stephen hit it pretty pretty well on the <laughs> head right there. That work. <laughs> that well played. All right. So that's on the setup, and that's how you're fishing on that one. Um, well, we kind of nailed the next question: is what type of bait do you like to use? So that one's check. In, out, and done. All right, good to go. All right, so we're going to just, uh, we, we've nailed the big ones there, so let's go ahead and dig into the fun stuff then. What is S.W.O.R.D.? Let's just, let's go, let's start from the very, very beginning. Uh, part of S.W.O.R.D. is uh, is that my personal story as well, and these boys have joined me along on that journey uh, at certain pivotal moments in the company, and so we'll allow them to jump into that when when the time does come that they uh that they enter the story but i'll tell you i graduated from college and i knew that so let's just say the traditional wisdom is that you're supposed to go the corporate route and the american dream is to work really hard in corporate america and hope that like you know you grind the ladder you move up and you kind of put your own dreams and wishes and passions aside and, and like hope one day you retire and you're able to rekindle the football and the golfing and the fishing and, uh, and you got the rest of 20, 15, 20 years to live your life out. And uh, I took that dream for the first three years out of college and I moved to New York City. And when I moved to New York City, I sold the boat. I uh, I chased a dream of money and fame and fortune, and I realized like really quickly that I was in the wrong spot. But you know, life life's all about learning about who you are and what you don't like more than it is about what you really do like. But there's a there's a, there's a silver lining in this whole um, three years, but. When I was up there, I worked for a financial services company, 
And within the financial services company, there was a guy there that uh, I directly, I directly reported to, and he was leaving to create his own company. And because we had a, a non-compete, I had to go find a new job for at least a temporary amount of time. And it turned out that job was with a startup that got acquired by Walmart. And when Walmart bought them, they learned that they had a very, very passionate fisherman um, that also really loved business that was working out of their startup office. And they approached me and they said, hey, we want to develop our private label line of fishing products. And what I mean by that is like, you walk in Walmart today and you go through the camping section, you're gonna see a lot of stuff that says Ozark Trail. And within the Ozark Trail line of products, they have pretty much all the sporting goods covered, which is camping, like water bottles, coolers, and any kind of outdoor activity has done like there's like little folding pocket knives, stuff like that. And but fishing for Walmart is a billion dollar business. And so just fishing alone there is worth a whole lot of money to them. So for them to squeeze more pennies out of the fishing market, the best way to do that was to create a line of tools or products specific for that. And so they found me and I developed uh, tackle bags and boxes. I developed rods and reels, um, boat, rope, anchor lines, stuff like that, as well as fishing tools. And I got, got, into the, I got to go to China for you know, a whole two weeks and see how it all worked. And it, it was just an incredible experience. Uh, but one thing that I could not keep doing was creating products that I knew were going to fail. And that was something that really grinded my gear because I am a passionate fisherman. But I wasn't developing product for my customer. I was developing product for somebody else. And so I realized very quickly, like, hey, what's the place? Like, where should we start? And how do we move through this? And so what I did is I left Walmart and I actually went back to work for the guy that had the non-compete and I helped him start a business. But I realized, you know what? I had this longing to start my own thing. And most people will tell you I hate authority. Uh, so I had problems with coaches, parents, um, friends' parents. Like they, they, authority was not something I enjoyed um, when I was growing up. And I, I question people a lot. I just ask a lot of questions. And so turns out people in authority don't like to be asked questions. And so I was like, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and start my own business. And so as I started thinking about what would that look like, I went through a lot of iterations of like, okay, what can make me the most money? Uh, I can get into a technology startup. Or, okay, what, what can make me the most famous? Um, I can do something that like saves the world and helps people out with disability. Um, but I was like, what am I going to be most passionate about? And I'm like, fishing. And so I had just finished up with some stuff in New York and I, it, was, it was a company that was creating media 
and content for the hunting industry. And then I was like, you know what? I can do that in the fishing industry. And I started stories to bring to life something that uh, was built for people we call the crazy ones. So when you think about someone who's crazy about fishing specifically, it's like they abuse everything. And they abuse whether it's their body, whether they're sitting in the sun, they abuse their, uh, their rods, their reels. You know, they get pissed off and they slap the water. And, and they just, there's nothing that doesn't get abused. And I realized there's kind of like a, a niche here of like everything that sword makes <clears throat> made with that in mind. And then we work backwards. So if it has the sword brand on it, you can specifically know that this was made for abuse. And uh, we just decided that we would start off with filet knives, mainly because it was a very simple product to design. And, um, and I already knew what was lacking in a lot of filet knives because I had done some development through Walmart. Uh, and I already had the idea in my head of like, what specifically do I want to create? And it was nothing like I did at Walmart. It was more of like I, I had the ideas in my head already. So I, I told myself, if I can sell one, one filet knife really well, then I've got a business. And so the, uh, we launched the first product in April of 2020, which is also known as COVID lockdown. And so I was just like, well, this is comical almost, but it was a silver lining in there because I was able to sell almost $50,000 worth of knives in one year and by myself. And I'm like, I got something here. And and so then the, the business evolved and we continued to grow. We added some more, some more knives to our line. And then uh, one fateful spring, uh, a buddy of mine invited me to go fishing on his boat. And it just so happened that Mr. Joe was there. And uh, Joe, you want to tell me a little bit about that? Yeah. Uh, so uh, we went, we went toward fishing and we went on a mutual friend of ours boat. And at that point, me and Steven had, met in passing a few times we had seen each other at the docks before and kind of knew of each other weren't weren't close though and then uh when you spend a an overnight trip on a boat with somebody you really get to know them <laughs> for sure so we we ended up connecting really really well offshore and communicated really well and uh started growing from there and uh I went back to school and uh, Steven gave me a call while I was actually at school and he was like, Hey, I, I'm going to have a job opening this summer. Would you, would you want to be a part of sword? And I, I hopped all over it. <laughs> I, I was commercial crabbing uh, the summer before. So I'm sure, I'm sure y'all can understand why I, why I wanted to get off the, off the crab boat. <laughs> so um, started working with Steven uh, that summer and, it's been a blessing ever since. Yeah. So we had, so Joe, specifically, there was, there's, there's something we do in story for all of you guys listening that want a job, like either with Sword or with another company, that you got to know why you exist. And then you got to hire your people who also believe in your why. So you got you to gotta look at this as like, if Sword. The prime reason for our existence is to build a company for people who are crazy about fishing. 
like we're only gonna hire people who are crazy about fishing. And something with Joe that immediately struck out was that uh, he was wanted he had this passion to learn and he truly wanted to dive into the, what we call the details, right? He it wasn't like sit back on the boat and let me go play on my iPad and then like when you when you hook the fish, let me know. Um, you know, he was he was right there looking over the shoulders like Hey, how do you use that word? Like, why is this different than that? Like, why do you do something in specific ways? So I knew, like, immediately, I was like, I want this guy to, to start working for me. And I was like, I need him on the team. Like, I, I need people who, who believe the same thing that we believe. And, uh, and then I kind of, like, we went through that whole summer. It was an incredible summer last summer. And uh, I was uh, working out at a gym. That fall, after Joe went back to college, um, and I'd been working at the gym for a while, and I was wearing the new, I, if you've probably seen some pictures, but it's a blue camo hoodie, and uh, we're actually coming out with them this fall. So I was wearing this camo hoodie, and then I actually ran into Connor, who was working at the gym. You can tell him about that. Yeah, I, I saw Steven wearing the hoodie, and I, I didn't know him at all. I just... Uh... I walked up to him and I was like, man, that's like a really cool hoodie, you know? And uh, he just told me about the website and I didn't know he owned the company or anything. Uh, I just saw the big sword F-250 always parked in the, the parking lot. And uh, I went on the website and bought one of the original Solar Performance uh, shirts and I loved it. And then fast forward about another year, I saw a little job posting on Facebook, I think. And I was like, holy crap, like, I got to do this. You know, I was at like a pivotal point where it's like, man, I really got to find a new job. You know, what am I going to do? And it was really just a blessing that it popped up. And I was, it was good that I kind of knew Stephen Fryer and came, met him at the office and the rest was history. So, yeah, we, Connor came into the office and, uh, but let, let's just say that when he, you know, he applied for the job, I kind of knew who he was. Um, he he had been working at a uh, like a local little salad place, um, and I, I knew he was like very 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 good with people, and just just a people person knows everybody. And I would say I didn't know how passionate he was about fishing until like he came to the office. And he's like, man, like, this would be the, the dream. And that's where, I, and like, he, he has that passion, that raw, like, feeling that, you know, only the people who really understand it will get it. And it, 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 the best way I can describe it is, like, it's not a hobby. It's more than that. It's, just part, it's part of who we are. It's, like, it's in our blood. And, like, you either got it or you don't. And, like, every time you meet somebody, you like you can immediately sense like okay he's got it and that's just first thing you know when Connor came into the office I'm like no he's definitely got it and uh, and so we uh, I hired him on he got, came on in March of 20, 2022 so just a, a few months ago to handle all the event side of the business which is great because he he loves the whole people side of things and um, and then also the affiliate because. You know, someone talks to him and become friends with them, and he, he loves these guys. Like, 
You know, he, he goes to bat for them with me. Sometimes I'm like, no, that's not, then we don't need them. And then Connor's like, no, dude, he's like, he's awesome. And I'm like, yeah, all right. And then you convinced me. And, uh, and he's, he's the people's person. He's our, our, our like, just main guy to go to for anybody that like, wants to be somehow involved with storage. And uh, now we're here in the middle of the summer having a crazy first part of the year. And we're moving through, just blazing a new path. And, and hopefully we'll have some incredible surf fishing product coming out next year. But <laughs> I, I cannot spill the beans on what those are. But there's going to be some really cool stuff that's actually geared specifically for surf fishing. And we're, we're, our real hope is to get up there with all the giant brands of the industry, all the stalwarts, the people you see hanging from the tackle shop. But for right now, it's the three of us and uh, with a dream of, of getting there. And from, from what we've seen, we're all doing the right thing. Yeah, you're, you're just getting into the surf game. Whatever, dude. You've been very involved with the surf one. I mean, you got the blades. You have the new pliers, which we'll throw in here in the discussion in a minute. I mean, y you are <clears throat> all-encompassing. Oh, uh oh, Connor, what's up? I see the hand movement like you wanted to say, hold on, I got something. You okay? No, no. I, there might be one person out there that knows what's on the horizon. But for everyone listening, they'll just have to think about it, try and figure out which person it is. I already think I know, <laughs> but it's all good. It's all good. <laughs> let me let me spool. Let me let me just spin my tires. It's what I do. I'm really good at just you know constantly doing that. Well, I mean, Stephen, you, you really you, you got a hell of a team. I mean, and the way you describe your team is, I think, the way that anybody on a team would want to be talked about or be associated with. That that alone, right there is enough to drive somebody to be like, I need that in my life. And you're right. I mean, we are a little bit of a crazy bunch. Just a smidge. So that, <laughs> that's always good. Now, you brought up something. Uh, and, again, it's not in our question. Yeah, but you brought it up. Uh, are you hiring still? Or I, I thought I haven't seen any job postings, but I haven't overly looked. I remember the last ones I saw were on Facebook. Are you hiring again? So we're not hiring anything specifically right now so I actually get through the summertime with the team that we have and then depending on where what the company dictates when the summer ends we'll see where we're at and then we'll we're most likely going to start hiring again and like when we hired Connor in March of 2023 and that may be specifically in the social media realm uh, somebody that's able to talk to talk in uh, the voice of story and I, if, if you if you look on social media now it, it, it's the voice of steven <laughs> and it's, it's hard to be replicated but we're going to try to find somebody that and uh that's passionate enough and can replicate the voice of story and take over that side of the business and we'll probably also hire within uh, operations somebody that's going to be handling the day-to-day -day, um, tedious stuff, uh, inventory, whether it's uh, shipment, fulfillment, and uh, website stuff. That, that's something we'll also be hiring for. Most likely be two separate people. 
It's great, man. Growth is growth is always a good thing, and it sounds like you got a heck of a plan on there, and you, you've seen the you know the playbook already, so you're already handling it just fine. So well done, sir. Well done indeed. So we talked about the knives, um, but the one thing that I know that are, people are going to ask, and I've been asked this, uh, and I don't have a good answer for it because that's just not my forte. I'm not, you know, I, I'm not in that industry. What sets these blades above or apart from other blades? All right. So I'd say, I, I think the best way to, to put this is just giving, giving a rundown of, of our blades. So we do all of our blades out of a carbon steel. So it's a lot stronger than stainless. It holds an edge a lot better than stainless. And then we coat that in a Teflon and a titanium so that it won't rust. And actually that Teflon helps the, helps the blade slide through the meat a little bit easier. And then uh, we do our handles, which is the highlight of our knife. I'd have to, I'd have to say that that G10 handle, it's, it's pretty cool. So G10, it's, a, it's the same thing that they use in gun grips. So when it gets a little bit wet, it, it sticks in your hand real nice. Um, and then a big, big staple for us is that lifetime warranty as well. Backing all of our products with a lifetime warranty, uh, if you get any nick, ding, anything in the blade that you don't like, we, make it, we try to make it as easy as possible for y'all to reach out to us and just tell us what happened, send us a picture of the blade, let us know what happened, and we'll get you another blade. No questions asked. We had a, a moment here where uh, just yesterday we had somebody who sent us a text message and a few pictures and the, the text message was, hey, I was cleaning a fish and the fish kicked and I'm guessing what he means by fish kick, he was cleaning a uh, non-IKG need fish. Definitely. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, sounds like definitely that. did not just... <laughs> Uh, he he kicked and it hit the blade out of his hand, and the blade landed tipped down on something hard, whether that was a dock or concrete or uh, whatever. But it actually, it did bend the tip, and I was like, you know what? It, it in my world, I don't even need to know that much. All I need to know is that hey, the tip bent and. Some, or something is not satisfactory, and we'll send you a brand new blade. Um, there's, there's not really a question asked. There is nothing that we will fault you for. And we, we even had another guy who looked like he ran over the knife with a backhoe. And <laughs> um, it turned the knife into a U-shape, uh, kind of like a, a horseshoe. And he, he probably put a few horseshoes in his backyard with it before he... Uh, he sent me the picture, but uh, we didn't ask any questions at the same moment, and uh, we sent them a new knife as well. So any anything and everything that doesn't perform to absolute abuse expectations, like we will cover it. No questions asked. And your blade is strong, so it's really hard to do that. It's it's really hard to mess those up, <laughs> and I've tried. I mean, I've nicked mine. Um, I got my nicks polished out. I. I uh, after here's my chastise moment after using the run through sharpeners you know from amazon because that's what you use duh that's what you use to sharpen a knife that's what everyone uses 
And then after a couple of text messages with Stephen of why are you using that and why haven't you gotten something better? Oh, oh, okay. And then I went and got an electric sharpener and realized, holy crap, I suck at this. Um, I know the new one that you guys recommend, uh, Blaine, Perdido Blaine, just put a video out about it, that new sharpener. Uh, very, very cool looking device. I think it's smart. Uh, I have no idea what it's called. What, what, what's the name of it again? That's the Warthog sharpener. And that is not associated with sword, but sword does enjoy the Warthog sharpener. And uh, you should, if I can get my act together, we'll get some up on the website. <laughs> <laughs> there you go constant self-improvement right there way to go you, you, you're setting the bar for the day you're like i know what i need to do there you go so i i nicked mine um and i believe i nicked mine after a bonnet head uh i posted a video of a night i i probably had my blade maybe two three months it hadn't been through too many fish and i, I caught abby and i caught our first bonnet head shark and i was cleaning it and the knife is just sliding right through the shark skin like it's nothing and i'm i'm in just utter shock because we all know shark's skin is it's sandpaper. It is tough. It is guaranteed it is going to screw your blade up. Um, I played that whole fish, no problem. One shot, didn't need to sharpen it at all. Didn't even need to hone it, didn't need to do anything. It was not until you know, I finally hit a whiting and I was basically smudging it down <laughs> of just with weight trying to cut it because the blade had become so dull uh, since I didn't sharpen it. But that was months. It took months for that edge to go away. Well, after I started using the proper sharpener, uh, it's been night and day, you know, that blade still stays sharp no matter what I do to it. I might have to hone it here and there. I don't even have to I need to run it through the rest of them. I run it through the diamond and it's good to go. But that blade has always held a solid edge and been strong. And when the Nyx, you know, ran it through the thing and got the Nyx gone, blade's perfect. I mean, I have no issues with it. Your handle, I know you told me about that before. I've always thought for some reason it was 3D printed. The way it feels, it's, it's just such a great grip. No doubt. So essentially what that uh, G10 is, is it's layered fiberglass. And you can, if you turn our knives sideways, you can truly see the layers on the handle. And it's really cool to see. So it's layered fiberglass that's uh, CNC'd and then laser cut out from there. Yeah, that's smart. Nice, nicely done on that design. That being said, I didn't even realize the time. My bad. Bait check number two. It has been 56 minutes. I apologize, everybody. I am late. But yes, that is your next bait check. Make sure you get that fish. Hopefully you caught a couple and you paused this and came back. But if you need to get new bait on there, put it on there. If you haven't caught anything in 56 minutes, please move. Pick a new spot. Change your bait. Do something different because that has been the whole thing I've talked about this entire podcast, which is you should not be waiting this long in between. Something needs to change, whether it's your distance, your bait, or your spot. All right, back to the show. How did the design come about? I know that you had started talking about it a little bit, Stephen, but how did the actual design of the blade come to fruition? I would say I cumulatively have used quite a few knives in my life. And, and when we went fishing offshore, everybody got a job. So, yeah, a couple of people cleaned the boat, a couple of people cleaned the fish. Well, I was always a guy, two knives to choose from. You had one was typically your um, your commercial type of knife with either the white handle or a black handle, and uh, and these knives are just very basic, and they you know you just grip them and you start ripping 
and I felt like there was something that more can be done to those to help them improve. And also, you got another knife on the opposite end of the spectrum, which is the handle was just giant and bulky, and uh, you can really only hold that handle one way, and uh, it's it, it's got this bright red grip on it that is just absolutely tedious. <laughs> and um, it's just it, it's named after some guy in West Virginia, but uh, not that we're I saying names. Want... We're not saying names. So yeah, I, no, I, mean, no. I, I don't know, but I uh, so I really wanted to create a handle that you could that felt good in your hand. And then one thing that people noticed most about it is actually a balanced knife. So. When the majority of knives you buy, it's unbalanced. Like you either got all the weight forward towards the tip, or you got all the weight to the back towards the, the handle. And so for our knife, it's like extremely well balanced in your hand. So where people say like, you know what? This, I mean, for excuse my friends, but like this has got some ass to it, and you, you really have like a, a, it, it fits in your hand extremely well. And then you can hold it in multiple different positions without sacrificing like the grip you have on on your knife so whether you're going like specifically down a fist and away from your body or turning the blade back and coming back towards your body like you can hold it in different ways that the grip allows you to do that where some don't give you that option you can only hold it one way or some are just more like very unbalanced and uh, and it's just a you're basically just holding on to a piece of rubber so that, that's kind of where the grip design came from. Yeah, the blades are definitely ergonomic. I mean, you, any way you touch it and move it, it's a perfect feel. It really, truly is. What? So we, now we have more than what it was in the beginning. Now there's more to this. What lengths do the blades come in now? So we offer, now we have just came out with a few new products. So we now range from a 5-inch knife all the way up to a 9-inch. So we do a five-inch utility knife, which is just a little tank of a knife. And then we do a seven-inch uh, medium flex and a seven-inch flexi, which is our new blade. And then we also do a nine-inch and a nine-inch flexi, along with the nine-inch serrated as well. What made you want to go to the flexi? So the flexi, we had a lot of people, a lot of requests for a flexier blade. Uh, from all t all types of people, offshore guys, inshore guys, didn't matter where they were fishing. Some some people like more flex to be able to get down on that skin and go through a little bit easier and really shape the blade to the fish. And uh, that nine inch flexi is personally my favorite favorite knife so far, and it's it's got an incredible feel to it. With what is the need for a flexible blade? I mean, the beginning was a pretty stout, and I still have version one. I love that one. But why why flexy, though? Yeah, so really when it comes to a fillet knife, it all comes down to your personal preference. And the one thing that some people love is if you're going through a uh, the rib cage of a fish, right, your knife is flexing within that rib cage as you are pushing down and then pushing through. And then, you know, you're flipping, you're basically flipping the fillet from the tail off onto the cutting board. 
and then you are pushing down again on the skin and pushing through the uh, the rest of the fillet so that you can flip the fillet off, flip the fish around, and do it all again. So personally, I love having a stiffer knife because most of the fish that I clean are uh, your tunas, your mahis, your wahoos, and for me, it's like I just want to like get through it. Where I think some people with flex knives are actually they're a little more precise. Um, but if I'm cleaning the mess of fish, I really want to get through those those really well. But I, I also am very blessed because I have an arsenal, so I can use whatever the uh, situation calls for. And uh, but I love so if I put we have a massive red snapper, right? And we basically all use like a serrated blade to get through the first cut and get the actual um, fillet off the fish. And then I'll pass it on to a buddy of mine who has a nine inch flexible blade. And he is actually pushing down onto the cutting board and that knife will flex all the way flat. And you can get it straight through the, uh, the fillet by separating the skin from the meat. And that that is a, a giant positive of having to flex blade. Uh, but when it comes to just picking a single blade, it will all boil down to like, hey, what is your personal preference? And you know what? If you don't know what your personal preference is, you won't, you can't go wrong with either or. Um, you may find one you like more than the other, but if you don't clean, you know, a couple hundred pounds of fish every year, if you're probably going to be very satisfied with whichever route you decide to go. I would say you definitely get a lot uh, when taking the fillet off the skin. I've noticed like there's way less skin on any of my fillets using that uh, the nine inch flexi blade. All right. Okay. With that one, because you brought it up, the serrated. Why did you? Why did Sword come up with a serrated blade? So there's a little niche of. Uh, anglers who live down in a town called Venice, Louisiana. And if you visit Venice, Louisiana at about 3 or 4 o'clock p.m. after every charter boat has hit the dock, you will see only serrated blades on those tables, cleaning tunas, cleaning wahoo, cleaning swordfish, like those guys down there clean more fish than anybody that I know, um, and they all they all use serrated blades. Now, don't don't make me be the guy that tells you this is the only way to do it. But if you have never used a serrated blade while cleaning a big fish, just grab one, use it for yourself. I know there's going to be skeptics out there that say like, ah, no, I can't, I can never see myself doing that. Use one for yourself, and you're going to open up this whole new world that you had never realized before. Um, and I, I know that the serrated blade has a place in, um, like, on my cleaning bucket, but it, it was specifically made for those guys down in Venice, Louisiana. But I will say they, they're on to something, and they, they know – what works and what doesn't because they got to clean a bunch of fish every single time they come back to the dock. And you brought it up before the serrated blade does not char It doesn't score the meat. It doesn't tear. It's just a very good tool. 
Yeah, so what one of the one of our highlights of our serrated blade is uh, we actually left one side of the blade flat still, and we only we only put scallops in one side of it. What that allows you to do is the teeth really tear through the skin, and then when you can go through a backbone and go clean through, it doesn't leave scallop marks in your meat because of having that flat edge on the bottom, it still leaves a really, really clean cut. And you can't even, you can't even tell that a fish was cleaned with a serrated blade rather than, the, rather than the normal one. So if you just hide it over in the corner, you'll be fine. See, there you go. There's, there's the method behind the madness. Well done, guys. Well done. And a lot of people ask about uh, sharpening those serrated blades. There is a company uh, called DMT, and they make these little, they look like uh, toothpicks. They're little diamond rods, and you just run them through each uh, serration a couple of times, and that'll uh, sharpen it back up for you. It's called DMT. It's uh, DMT. T. Got it. Okay. DMT. I put DMC, so there we go. Um, so my blade, full disclosure, my sharpener, the one that I got, actually has the diamond in it. Uh, for the final buffering. And one of the big things that runs out is, and I'm not going to say the name because you know, we're not going to do that. You already named that one. We don't need to name the other one. Uh, it, it it totes very heavily for serrated. Uh, and I've run my the, the old bread knife, you know, the monster one there that you can only hope doesn't smash your bread as you freaking cut across it. Um, I ran that through, but I've also run my work serrated blades through it where I'm cutting through wires and stuff, doing my RV job and all that, my real world stuff that I wasn't, wanting to do but here we are uh run that through it cleans it sharpens it it's been one of my greatest ones it is extremely dangerous um so you have to be careful when you sharpen them with the diamond <laughs> the new blade let's talk about that one real quick the utility blade now you said workaholic it's that new one tell me about it well that's it's it's a tank of a blade it's it's very very uh stout the stout little blade um doesn't have much to any flex in it and uh we actually got my buddy devin he's working working up at a fish market right now and it really is a utility knife you can you can use it for cleaning a thousand pounds of grouper over two days and then it, it'll still come home and clean a redfish as well so it's something else yeah good blade to clean a red we all know that's stuff that's tough armor on the easy stuff it's also great though because you can if you're a guy that likes to like put something on your your belt it's not you know like a nine inch blade you know it's that little five inch knife so it's not bulky and it's great for cutting up like your fish bites your fish gum or just breaking it out quick cutting your line um it's just a really versatile blade and a lot of the events that we go to a lot of people ask about do you have any kind of hunting knife and a lot of the guys that are into hunting have uh purchased some for gutting pigs and, you know, skinning deer. So it's been great for that community as well. Nice. Way to go. Crossing crossing the spree, the crossing the streams into the other worlds. Nice stuff. All right. We, I'm trying not – I'm going to speed it up here to get you out of here because I see. I just looked at the time. I was like, oh, we've been after this. Your sword is also making other products, one of them uh, being the pliers that just came out not too long ago, the titanium pliers. What uh, what One, tell me about those, but what got you to make a pair? You see there's just more of an opportunity in the market of a high-end pair of pliers that the company still stands behind. 
and it's built with the uh, the intentions of servicing towards the customer because there's a lot of high-end buyers in the market right now um, that you can't even get a hold of the customer service department and that's that's an issue when you buy a flyer that's over three hundred dollars so but for us it's like when we think of people who are absolutely crazy about fishing like most of these guys need a pair of pliers that are going to hold up to abuse, but they also can't wait two months to get a new pair of cutters. And so we were like, hey, here's a huge opportunity for us, and why don't we go ahead and seize that opportunity? And so we built those titanium pliers. But I'm going to let you guys in on a little bit of a secret. There's actually a new smaller pair of pliers that has been completely redesigned, and they are just absolutely smack dead gorgeous. And uh, I, I hate to even say it because we're cannibalizing ourselves, but the new pliers are so freaking bad that they, uh, like they're gonna blow the current ones out of the water and they're gonna blow everybody else out of the water too. So for any of, when this podcast blows up, I'm staying it right here. All you other executives at the bigger companies, uh, we're, we're coming for you. So we're, we're going to stomp on your margins a little bit, and uh, it's going to hurt. <laughs> <laughs> they really are, like, the best-looking. I mean, we're obviously biased, but, like, they're the best-looking flyers I've ever seen. I'm be biased all you yeah. want. You've seen them. You know the work. I mean, if the, if the people on the team look at them and know that they're good and you know they're using the product, that tells you something. If they want to use it, that says it. I saw them and I thought, like, these are going to change the game. Yeah. Like, me and Carter sure. got a picture of them on a car ride home from one of the tournaments, and both of us just looked at each other like, oh, <laughs> so excited about it. <laughs> did, did the text go around, like, when are we getting these? When do I get mine? Was, it, was that the next set? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Smart. <laughs> Very smart. All right. So I think that kind of answers this question, but I'll ask it. Is there any other gear or products that Sword is involved in making or running with right now? Yeah, there's a uh, local company here in Destin called Benthic, um, and we're working on a little dive knife with them. So hopefully in the fall that'll be should be ready. Um, we brought it by the shop maybe a month ago, and uh, they really like that. Uh, and then we just got some new hoodies in uh, that should be ready to go come this fall, and they're looking really good. Get the apparel game, yeah. apparel game, fishing game, product game. Oh man, getting big, getting good. <laughs> We're gonna get everywhere. So just keep, just keep your eyes out. We're gonna be that ten-year overnight success where everybody asks, "Oh, they came out of nowhere." And I'm gonna be like, "Did y'all listen to Demo's podcast?" Oh uh, yeah, <laughs> look at that. Well, look at that cross move there. You, you're too kind. You're too kind. Although I am excited when this drops. Because it's like, yeah, yeah, we, there are still people which don't know about the sword brand, which I'm still kind of like, how do you not know? I mean, all of us have the gear. We're wearing it. We have it. I, mean, I, I have the couple shirts that I picked up from the guys when I bought them from you guys at uh, Emerald Coast Bait and Tackle. You know, and it's like, oh, what sword? What do you mean with sword? How do you not know? Like, oh, come here. Let me show you this awesome tool I have. It's great. You know, it, it kind of becomes that fun little exciting you know, kid at Christmas. Like, come look. Come look. So knowing that you're going to bring all the new stuff that's coming out, there's no doubt in my mind that it's going to be stellar top-notch and 
last a lifetime. Uh, I mean, the best thing I can ever say to that is thank you for making a product that all of us, we know we'll use for that. It's not going to be that use and like, oh, well, there it goes and throw it away. It's going to be that one that, you know, you're buying something for a reason and it's going to be a tool that lasts you. So that, that speaks volumes about how your business model is and how you care about the local fishermen and, well, the fishing industry in general. So kudos. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Last two questions and we'll get you guys out of here. Why do you, what do you wish a new angler would do before ever getting a line in the water? Better be patient. Depends on where you're where you're coming from. Like I started in freshwater and came transitioned into saltwater and that's pretty much all I do now. But I mean the same the same rules apply, but there's some differences. You know, you throw a live bait out, you're gonna catch a fish, but I didn't really, you know, figure it took me a while to really figure out fishing the bay and you know, going out to the beach, fishing the surf. So Patience is definitely key. You know, if you if you watch on TV or YouTube or whatever you're, you know, viewing, it's not all like pulling up on a spot and just ripping out fish every day. I mean, that just doesn't doesn't always happen like that. So you're gonna have some days where you're heading home empty-handed and you spent eight hours just telling yourself, "I'm not leaving until I catch a fish," but it's it's gonna happen. So. That's... I'd also say, uh, don't be afraid to go into your local tackle shops and ask around. People, people love to talk about fishing. I know, I know it might be a little bit intimidating to go in when you don't know much about a subject, but go in and those guys in the tackle shops, that's what they're there for. They love to help people out. Like, I have so many friends at tackle shops where we're just in con constant contact talking about what's, what's biting and what are they eating and it, you really get into the into the vibe of going into a tackle shop and just being able to gather so much information from all these guys who are constantly around it. Steven. And the, uh, <laughs> I want to say, if you're anybody that's getting directly into fishing, like my greatest advice is to pick something that you would really like to catch and focus on that one fish. Because what's going to happen is, like, if you decide to focus on every fish and just whatever bites your hook, probably nothing is going to bite your hook. So, but there's a lot of reward in searching for a specific fish and learning exactly how to catch that one fish and then move on to, to, to something bigger. Like, you know, if you want to learn how to catch whiting first, say, like, hey, you know what, I am going to target whiting today. And just throw a little piece of shrimp out. Um, don't throw it too far. Throw it in the first trough. Yep. <laughs> and uh, and uh, it's, uh, it's something that once you catch your whitey, then you know what? Figure out how to catch your pompano. And then figure out how to catch your redfish. Because you know, one day you're going to get to a point where like you can catch all three. But if you set unrealistic expectations, like what you see on Instagram of, everybody's glory days and every everyone's on the fish right but you know what those are pictures from three months ago like unfollow that guy <laughs> yeah and so i just say like pick one fish and target them and find out how to catch it and then you know move on you know go to your tackle shop be patient um, but if you walk into a tackle shop and you say i want to catch it all i would catch anything like 
you guys are just gonna tell you go throw shrimp out and catch it, catch a catfish. But like you're like, I don't want to catch a catfish. But like say like I want to start with whiting, I want to work up to a redfish, and I also want to get a pompano, and then after that a big black drum. And so just just start start working through all that right now, and then uh, you'll you'll be really successful. I'm not gonna bring yeah. You know what we're going to. Did you catch a black drum yesterday? I didn't. All right. When we uh, changed the time for the call, Brian called me. I was it was like ten o'clock at night, and I was like walking like the dot, like the little seawall. There's just huge drum cruising, and I didn't have like any crab, and I'm like, oh, spent way too much time out there. Got nothing. I get it. Sadly, I get it. Been there. We've all been there. That's for sure. <laughs> all right. The final question. What's next for Sword? World domination. Exactly. Same thing that popped into my head. Yeah, <laughs> what are we going to do today? With well, the same thing we do every day. Try to take over the world. <laughs> That's copyrighted by another company. Sorry, don't sue me. Uh, I'm not that character, nor am I associated with them in any way, shape, or form. Sorry, as I digress. <laughs> world domination. I love it. Sword's going to be in every shop around the country and the world. All right. I can... I'm, I'm not sad. I'm not even a little. Yes, we. I, I want that. I want that for you especially. Right. I, we appreciate you guys having this on this podcast, and uh, hopefully, this is giving you a good listen. Oh, you, dude, you've dropped. You guys have dropped a ton of knowledge, and I appreciate it. I mean, everything from talking about with the setup for the fishing and how to do it. You know, that's always key, and that's the big one for people for learning. He dropped a great nuke of knowledge for that one, especially in the close part that people hadn't hit yet. But with that also, how great your product really is. And I know you're not embellishing. You guys are close to the boat, but I am also a sword user. I am also a customer. I have happily purchased my gear. I have not had it sent to me. I, I have purchased my gear, and I use it, and I love my gear. I happily tell people all the time it's one of the best products I've used. And when I go to other places, you know, I've been to the east coast of Florida, done fishing tournaments there, and I've shown them, like, you ever seen this? Like, no, what is it? Like, yeah, check that out. Uh, and everybody's first comments always the handle like, ooh, like <laughs> it gets better. It gets better. Trust me. Just keep let's, let's cut a fish. You're gonna love it. So, thank you guys for making a great product and being a very pro angler company. Not just in it to rake in the dollars. You guys are very much. You can see it in your faces, how you talk about the business, but also in your product itself. You are 100% pro angler and want people to succeed so thank you for doing all the things you guys do thanks for having us on man yeah we really appreciate it like all right so what took a long time to get here we kept talking about it but i'm glad we got it in well we just had to find a way to get all four of us in the same place at the same time you know this worked out well (laughs) all right guys we will talk to you again soon so thank you again for being here all right, ladies and gentlemen. So I hope you enjoyed this episode with Sword. If you need to find their stuff, you can find it on their webpage at swordfishingproducts.com. You can find them on all social media platforms of the I mean, hell, Facebook, Insta. Thank you guys. I think they're even on TikTok, if I'm not mistaken. I think I saw a video. So go take a look at all that. If you have questions, reach right out to them. They're very quick to respond. If you have a problem with your product, don't keep it in get with them they have a lifetime warranty for a reason they've explained it in this episode and it's important for you to make sure your gear is taken care of and they will help you out so thank you for sticking around for this episode if it helped you don't forget to like share subscribe get that information out there it's going to help somebody to become a better angler i appreciate your time i appreciate you we'll see you next week you've been listening to find a demo surf fishing i'm out of here